Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, still somehow motivating ourselves to record podcasts. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm reclaiming my rightful place as host of the show. I'm bumped back down to second billing. It's Tony Kerr. Hey, <laughs> back into my rightful place. Feels, feels good down here in, in, in second billing. <laughs> yeah, are you more relaxed down there? Yeah, it's comfortable, you know, you just sort of, I don't know, it's nice, yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> it is easy, I found that. I was like, this is really easy. When you, you, were, you were hosting all the Ashes dailies that you've been doing over the last couple of weeks, I was like, this is really incredibly easy. It's nice, though, being able to ask the questions, because then, you know, you don't really have to come up with any points of your own. You can just pose a question, which is kind of where you've sort of, you've, you've, you know, you've kind of struck a, a seam, haven't you, over the years of just, you know, you don't really have to come up with anything. You just, uh, yeah, just turn the question on its head or... Yeah, just ask the question, get out yeah. and, yeah. you know, just start answering some personal emails. Yeah, um, exactly. Leave it to you to, to flounder around trying to think of some points to make. How's it going anyway, Tone? Yeah, it's not too bad. Thanks, not too bad. It's actually funny, like I was thinking before, like 10 days ago or so, it was, you know, we were quite excited about the Ashes. We'd, in sort of true to form, we'd, we'd sort of, everyone had started to talk, talk, you know, England up a bit and we were starting to feel quite positive. It was actually, it's been really nice the last couple of days, waking up, not having to check the cricket score. It's been a really, a blessed relief. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's no way to start your day. Like, the, you know, whatever your sort of strategy is for the, for the series, I, I, obviously some people will be staying up all night watching it, which is, you know, that's a punishing approach. Others, you know, you set your alarm and it's like, it's pretty dark. Yeah, roll over, check the score. And just to, to wake up every morning for sort of three, four, five days in a row with that kind of crushing disappointment. Or, yeah, it grinds you down. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a really nice couple of days, actually. Yeah, you did say that to me the other day. It is a, a funny thought. Because, but yeah, but as you say, before the series, we're like, cannot wait for the Ashes. That's going to really cheer me up through this winter. I always have something to look forward to when I get up in the morning. And then, yeah, you said the other day, you're like, oh, thank God, we don't have to, there's no cricket tomorrow. We don't have to check the score. So yeah, that does kind of, um, it sort of illustrates how uh, how badly it's going for England, uh, it has gone for England so far. So yeah, we're going to be, uh, we're going to, we've got a lot to talk about today, really, haven't we, Tane? There's been a lot of chat, hasn't there? I mean, people are really like scraping the barrel in terms of sort of suggestions or exploring where English cricket is at right now. So uh, yeah, I'm sure we can find a little bit more barrel to scrape. We've been scraping the barrel for years, Tane. That's, <laughs> that's very much our USP uh, on this show, isn't it? That's our, our, our mission statement. Um, scraping the barrel so you don't have to. Since 2008. I'm... Um, uh, well, I've, I'm looking forward to, to getting into it with you, Tane. I've, I've, I've taken a leaf out of your book for this episode. Listeners can probably tell we're recording this on Zoom again. Uh, and I'm, I'm in bed. I'm recording from bed. Uh, Me too, I, actually. It's, <laughs> you do, right? Yeah, because yeah, it... <laughs> 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 but yeah, on Zoom, not together, is not some kind of Morecambe and Wise situation. <laughs> um, although maybe that's how we should do the, the next one. This is a, the podcast has gone in a weird direction, hasn't it? Um, in the last few weeks but um yeah I'm, it's my turn to be feeling a little bit ropey i'm uh, i'm waiting for a a pcr test um so yeah it's uh, it's just been a great few days tone it's really been a great few days i'm full of christmas cheer as you can probably tell yeah you've sound it full of beans uh right well let's dive into it shall we and talk about the ashes uh, and it's been a very difficult start to the series for England that might be an understatement obviously we have 
been speaking about it on Ashes Daily. We'll try not to repeat all of the points that we made on on those pods. Um, and just, you know, take a sort of more kind of uh, bird's eye view of the test in Adelaide because, yeah, after a, after a miserable start to the Ashes in Brisbane, things went from bad to worse to even worse in Adelaide. Uh, Australia winning the toss, choosing to bat, and they piled up 473 for nine, declared with 100 for Marnus Labashain and a couple of 90s from David Warner and Steve Smith. England, in reply, were 12 for two, but then they were 150 for two with David Milan and Joe Root posting half centuries again. Uh, but then they collapsed, uh, losing those last eight wickets in the end for 86, with Mitchell Stark taking four wickets to be all out for 236. Australia then uh, rattled along to 230 for nine, declared with another half century for Labashain. That set England 468, which was obviously uh, never going to happen. However, Australia could have enforced the follow-on after the first innings, but elected not to. And that did at least give England a sniff of possibly uh, getting out with a draw because um, they had just over four sessions to bat. Um, they got off to a terrible start losing Hasib Hamid early doors, but there was a bit of resistance um, lower down, including from Joss Butler, who batted 207 balls for 26. And England did take the game to the final session, but that's uh, scant consolation, really, isn't it, Tone? They were, in the end, bowled out for 192 with Jai Richardson uh, taking five for 42, which meant Australia ultimately wrapped up a very comfortable victory by 275 runs uh, to take a 2-0 lead with three tests to go. England have to win all three, otherwise the Ashes will go to Australia again. So on the preview tone, we said that for England to have any kind of chance, they basically need absolutely everything to go right. Uh, would it be fair to say that absolutely everything has gone wrong so far? Uh, yeah. Well, not much has gone right, has it? I mean, you, you look at just some of the incidences or some of the moments in this match, there's not much to cling on to. I mean, the, the, obviously the batting's been fairly abysmal, um, to say the least. The bowling has been, uh, I'd say, average. Um, the fielding has been fairly abysmal <laughs> uh, and the and the sort of moments of luck obviously like more um, just the uh, yeah the kind of on pitch like not cohesion isn't the right word but the 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 kind of the, the bread and butter stuff like not taking wickets off no balls hasn't really gone very well simple chances simple catches dropped um, Butler treading on his stumps it's, yeah it's kind of like it's been a it's, I mean it's been a, a, a an unmitigated disaster so far are we looking at 5-0 at this point? I think you, you take 5-0 at this point, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Over what? I, well, I don't know. Well, as in you just like... say, like, let's write it off, it's 5-0, I and mean, we don't have to watch. You know, let's not play the remaining three games and not put ourselves through that. Exactly. Get the boys home for Christmas, uh, and, and, you know, we'll see you in a few years. Bring them home. Bring our boys home. <laughs> It does feel like the wheels are coming off and it really I mean, does feel like 5-0. Like it's got a very, it's very kind of, uh, I was going to say nostalgic, that's entirely the wrong word, but it, it's got a, a very familiar feel to it, hasn't it? Like it, it just feels like it did at this stage in 2017 and in 2013. I mean, it is, there's a different feeling to some of those, well, some of the, some of the other whitewashes we've seen. 
and I, I said this on one of the Ashes dailies, but it's like the 2013 Ashes was more kind of spectacular, like a spectacular implosion of what was quite a, what we thought was quite a good England team coming into it. Whereas this, we didn't expect them to really compete and they haven't. And it's just kind of depressing. Yeah, my dreams will be haunted by Joss Butler's expression after he dropped that absolute sitter. And, you know, the test match just got kind of more absurd for him. I mean, it was uh, it was an impressive, um, resilient effort, wasn't it? 26 off 207 balls. And, uh, you know, obviously put together a little bit of a partnership time-wise with Wokes. So there's a glimmer of hope there. But, it was, yeah, it just you couldn't really write it, him, him pushing off for a single and... And, and treading on the stumps. I mean, it's he's had an, an up and down match, shall we say? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll come back uh, to Butler because I've got a bit more to say about that. But yeah, that, that's yeah. that's definitely fair. I was just going to ask you about Joe Root's post match comments. So, in response to you know the question, which was basically where where did it go wrong? What could you do better? Root said, "We need to be braver and we need to get the ball up there. We were a little bit short with the ball. I think the frustration within our dressing room." is that we did not quite execute very basic things well enough for the second game in a row. First of all, we need to learn and we need to learn fast. We can't make the same mistakes that we have done so far. So essentially saying that his frustration is that they did exactly the same thing that they did in Brisbane, uh, that they're not learning and that they bowled too short. I don't know. I, well, what, what did he make of that tone? It was quite um, quite frustrating to me. That's it. The, the, as you say, what happened in Brisbane should have been a wake-up call. I mean, it, it was a wake-up call, but it, it, it's it's odd that. I mean, are the bowlers just not? Are they just kind of not capable of pitching it up, or like are they mentally? Are they are they actively thinking? All right, this is the length we need to bowl, like short of a length, or you know, on the shorter side. Like, was that their plan? And then Roots immediately said afterwards, we bowled too short. We're not putting it up, uh, up there enough. I mean, it, yeah, it seems it, it seems like kind of just sort of empty words from Root there a bit. Yeah, there's something very, very strange about it, isn't there? I mean, in terms of why they're doing it, this, this may not be the case, but it is something that's been kind of levelled at, at particularly Anderson and Broad in the past, is that they, they do bring their length back in order to try and cut the runs down. And so obviously if they pitch it fuller, they're more likely to take wickets, but they're also more likely to go for runs. So that this is something they're kind of not willing to take the risk in order to protect their figures. I don't know whether that is the case or whether that is what was happening here. But but the comments from Root, it does beg the question, you know, what what are you doing, Joe, if if you're complaining that, you know, the problem was that the bowlers were bowling too short? Like, could, is that, isn't there something you can do about that? Was there not something you could do about it while it was happening? You, they were out in the field for like, what, 150 overs in the first innings? Yeah, if he felt they. I think they were two hundred and twenty overs or something altogether. If he felt they were bowling too short, maybe you know have a word. And if they still don't respond, then then what's the point of him being captain? So I, I'm finding it harder and harder to take Joe Root seriously. I mean, he he kind of even said himself that beforehand that this would probably be a you know a career defining in from a captaincy point of view. This is a career defining series from him. And it's not going very well. And, you know, obviously he's a, the man is a phenomenal batsman, a phenomenal cricketer, but for me, just not a leader. I don't think he ever has been. He 
just talks about learning lessons. We've not seen any kind of, not seen much sort of growth from him tactically over five years now. Yeah, barring an absolute miracle, which sees England win the the remaining three three games, assuming that this is now over, which we think it is. You know, I, I do think he has to go at the end of this series. I don't really see how his position is is tenable after that, and and potentially Chris Silverwood the same. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, clearly Root is uh, is carrying. I mean, is carrying the team with his batting. I mean, he's not carrying them far enough. You know, he can't do it all on his own. Um, so I suppose in the sense that we might have at one point been worried that the captaincy would prove a distraction to Root. I mean, he did go through a fairly extended lean spell. Um, but he has come good now. Again, is there a fear though that you take the captains off him and uh, you know it has a sort of mental blowback which kind of knocks him off kilter again? I don't know. It's there's, a, there's obviously man management to do there, but yeah, yeah, you know, we obviously England need roots runs at the moment, but having a better captain on on field, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's presumably going to bring better outcomes for the England Test side. Well, you would think so. And, you know, they, they do, it, it does look like they just need a bit of leadership. And um, I, I see your point, but I just don't think, I think it's a risk worth taking to take, him off, yeah. take it off him and see what happens. And I don't really think that they can just keep him captain, you know, indefinitely to avoid potentially upsetting him. And well, the say, status quo clearly is, is, is not working, is it? Yeah, exactly. And, and Silverwood's definitely under pressure as well, if only because he puts you know he built this up so much himself as being what whatever what they've been building towards what all their focus was on was this series and you know that and we've talked about this a lot but you know the comments he made at the start of the english summer saying that you know that that new zealand and india touring england was was a nice warm-up for the ashes you know if this does end five nil or certainly in a in a heavy defeat it's really hard to see how you can survive that and you know the the thing now which is particularly winding me up is his his comments post match he was asked you know but it was something like you know do you have any regrets or was it would you change you know knowing what you know now would you would you have done anything different and he said no i would have picked the same two teams pick the same team in brisbane and the same team in adelaide and that's that's just mad to me yeah. <laughs> that's crazy and a, a real contrast with i was i found myself on youtube on a youtube rabbit hole the other night time watching uh the brisbane test of 2002 uh, when the famous one, when Nasser Hussain won the toss and chose to bowl. And after the game, in his sort of uh, interview after the game, Nasser just fronts up and, and he's asked, you know, did you get that wrong? And he says, yeah, I, I you know, I completely got it wrong. It was definitely the wrong call. I, um, it, it's my job to read the pitch. I read that wrong. I've got to read pitches better. I've got to do better. And, you know, I just think like it, it was very refreshing watching it. Um, well, not to get into this, but given various uh things that are going on in the world at the moment it's nice to see someone taking responsibility for something for mistakes yeah. that they've made um but it's that that is a, a contrast with what's happening um with the current england leadership i think and it's you know yeah because whatever's happening now is not getting us anywhere very quickly um I mean, it's, it's mad to think isn't it that the start of the, the year started with england winning three tests in a row yeah, uh, obviously massively carried by Joe Root's runs. We, we, I mean, we, which obviously things haven't really changed since then. Um, and we probably should have looked at that and thought, nah, bugger, you know, it's going to be a long year because 
like clearly root scoring that that weight of runs on his own wasn't gonna um uh, you know wasn't gonna bring bring big results for England in in the big series. Um and it, and it hasn't happened at all, has it? So yeah, I like as you say, you mentioned about Broad and Anderson. Obviously, there's a lot of chat going into the match about the selections and whether they should play. I mean, they're clearly both being the legends, but they they bowled a bucket load of overs in that first innings and they, they didn't really affect the game materially in any way. You know, Australia scored pretty slowly um for their 473, but three batsmen made good scores. Uh obviously Labashay in 103, Smith and, and Warner out in the 90s. Once again, runs for the tail, and it was yeah, it was pretty you know it was pretty depressing watching Stark and then uh, Michael Nisa kind of slog it round, um, and and England's bowlers really not able to do anything. I don't know. I think the whole attitude as well to to pink ball tests kind of needs to change as well because it, you're only bowling under the lights for quite a small, potentially quite a small amount of time, and the the bowlers that England picked weren't able to to extract enough out of the conditions and out of the situation to, to, to affect the game in the end, were they? Because Australia made what looked like bags of runs in the first innings and then for England to, to post 236. Then, I mean, when you talk about it being a, a brave kind of rear guard effort from Butler, but in the ending, they were out for 192, which is, doesn't seem particularly brave, does it? No, I mean, well, they batted, how long did they bat? They, at, least they, they, at least they batted longer, although Butler should have been caught uh, very early on for naught should have had a pair yeah no well it just the whole thing, there's really almost nothing <laughs> to to be positive about I don't think that might be an overstatement there's you know some of the bowlers have bowled reasonably well I thought Anderson bowled okay you know without looking hugely threatening I thought you know he at least bowled well Broad does look very gentle at this point but it was also like ultimately for me it just it does come down to the selection well just focusing particularly on the, the bowling at the moment you know it was, a, it was a ludicrous selection i think to to have five medium paces and no spinner on that surface as you say i think possibly got carried away with the fact it's a, a pink ball test you know it's, it's another pink ball test that england have got hopelessly wrong um and they've they went in with as i say five medium paces chris wokes is a world-class test bowler in certain conditions in conditions like this, he's not, you know, and he he was basically bowling throwdowns. And we, the, what's really uh, infuriating about that as a fan is that we knew this. We knew this four years ago. England picked more or less this bowling attack for the people yeah. test four years ago. And how is it possible after all the planning and strategizing and all the stuff that Silverwood's apparently been doing to prepare for this, that they've gone in with exactly the same plan that completely failed last time so you know obviously some things have been out of their hands in that in there you know as, as part of that like archer and stone being injured and if they'd both been fit they probably wouldn't have picked this bowling attack but some things haven't been out of their hands and we talked about this when the squad was announced it was a very uh i was very deflated when i saw england's squad because it was remarkably unadventurous and yeah. you look at uh, and i thought at the time you know where's sakib mahmood where's matt parkinson and obviously these these are uncapped players it's asking a huge amount of them to expect them to make all the difference and they wouldn't necessarily have made much difference but I think I at least and perhaps we all as fans would at least feel a bit less cheesed off about it if they'd tried something if they'd played Mahmood if they played Parkinson if it hadn't worked I think we'd at least feel differently about it than the fact that they've just gone in with 
the same thing they did last time of just medium paces and it's like oh it doesn't work yeah of course it doesn't yeah exactly and then uh, and then you know and we, we spoke about it obviously the other day but resting mark wood you know it's it's a nonsense it really is uh you know the, the one bowler that can offer the the genuine pace that everyone has talked about for for years uh who could make something happen i mean the, the, there was, there's absolutely no point in england having kind of shuffled their decks and, and kind of you know, keeping things in reserve for later in the series when it's going to be, it's already, it's already over. I mean, it's gone, isn't it? So, yeah. um, and we, yeah, it was gone. It was gone on like day five of the series effectively. Yeah, it is. It's, it's underwhelming. It's yeah. underwhelming. What are they, what are they resting wood for? Is definitely yeah. a good question. Well, I mean, as, as we said, they turn after the, as we said, after the first test, the, the focus inevitably keeps landing on the bowlers and it's very easy to do in some ways because it feels like a more productive conversation like there's more to talk about there <laughs> like i the, mean to be fair though i mean to be fair with australia batting first though if australia make five, the best part of 500 runs batting first then england are, as equal uh, you know as equally as it's true to say if, if england can't can't score any runs at all we're not going to win any matches equally you know australia batting fairly comfortably for the best part of what it best part two days and making 500 equally England to win that match either. So I do think the bowlers, the bowlers shoulder, shoulder probably is 40% of the responsibility at the moment, but agree. The batsman is that's the, you know, true. The batting is the most, the most disappointing. That's true. I mean, the, the fielding hasn't helped as well, has it? But, but, yeah. but the, again, you, you know, they've, they've uh, been bowled out for 236 and 192 um, and you know, you mentioned you think back to the start of the year and what a great start to the year it was for England. Was it a record sequence of victories away from home? But it was. You look back on that now, it's like, oh yes, yeah, because Root was scoring double hundreds. I mean, can you imagine where England would be this year if Root hadn't had <laughs> such a phenomenal year? But um, yeah, good tweet from uh, friend of the show tone, John Hotton, big pal of the show. Um, today who just uh, listed England's batting order with their ICC test ranking position. So Burns is 36, Hamid is currently unranked, Milan is 68, Root 2, Stokes 26, Pope 58 and Butler 38. When you consider how much England play... (laughs) Um, that is not great. That is really not great. And and then, you know, in this series, only two players have passed 50. Nobody's got a century. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talk about it every series. The problem is the batting. It's been a problem for a really long time. And yeah, the bowling might have issues as well, but the, the fundamentally it comes down to the batting. Um, and, and in this game, they weren't even, at least in in the previous game, you can say, well, Australia's bowling attack is absolutely outstanding and and they did bowl very well here too but that you know england should have been in a much better position against an attack of of uh richardson nisa stark and lion but they just still couldn't make an impact and you know as we talk about tone the problems are systemic and it comes down to things like the marginalization of, of red bull domestic cricket where it's kind of shunted to the edges of the summer so there's no quick solution really here um but you hope, as you say, you hope that this might be a wake-up call for you know the people that matter at the ECB to think something's got to change. But then we said this four years ago, and here we are again. All that being said about it being systemic, you know, <laughs> so therefore, like 
is it just kind of shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic to look at the the actual makeup of the batting order? But both in the batting and the bowling, would you be making changes for Melbourne Tone? What would your what would your England team for Melbourne be? Yeah, I think there's got to be well, there's got to be changes. Uh, yeah, Wood Wood has to play for sure. I would uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't play Broad and Anderson. One of one of Broad or Anderson potentially, probably Anderson. Yeah, probably probably Leach comes in, Robinson. And then on the batting side, I think Pope has to be rested. I don't think there's any choice there. Um, and who comes in? Is it Crawley? Possibly. Um, there's not, not really a huge amount of other options. I, I don't know what you do at the top of the order. I think Hasib probably plays Burns. I'd like to see. I'd, li- I'd like to see someone coming for Burns, but I don't know who that is. Uh, I think Butler probably does enough to keep his place, but again, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you just mix it up completely. Just yeah, you know, bring in four or five new faces. I don't know. I mean, just to be just a, a real roll of the dice, but because things can't go much worse than they've got already. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it is troubling, isn't it? When you look at the players, the batsmen that have come into the team in recent years, particularly Crawley and Pope, who have been like heavily touted. Um, yeah, have been talked about as as being sort of you know among the biggest talents to come along in in years. Um, I mean, it's pretty troubling that neither, well, that obviously Crawley did score. You know, he had that big score, but but then you know it, he was unpickable effectively. Uh, you know, by the time he, he was dropped, uh, and likewise Pope, you know, had a, had a strong showing, but it's kind of disappeared. And it's like, where do you go next? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt in the talent of either of them, but they've just, well, certainly Pope is, we haven't seen Crawley for a little while, but Pope, I just don't think you, as you said, I don't think you can pick him for the next game. I mean, yeah, the problems are systemic, as I say, but so in a way you think, well, to single out individual players and say it's all Ollie Pope's fault seems yeah. a bit unfair, but you just, you can't keep picking players who keep failing. I mean, apart from anything else, what kind of message does that, send um to the players that are trying to get into the team so i mean i like dan lawrence i think dan lawrence look has looked pretty good um or looked pretty good when he played earlier in, earlier in the year i don't know that he's necessarily gonna you know transform england's fortunes but i would i would leave out pope i'd bring lawrence in at six i'd probably leave out burns as well even though arguably hamid is having just as bad a series but at least he looks solid until he gets out whereas burns has looked fidgety and uncomfortable all the way through so I'd probably been Crawley in for Burns, Lawrence in for Pope, Wood in for Wokes and Leach in for Broad. But I'd imagine what England will do, Tony, if they do anything, is drop Pope and bring in Bearstoke. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I'm expecting to see. And I, I, I don't know, and that does speak a bit, I think, and just to touch on Butler as well, but I've, I thought for years, Tony, and you know, because I've bored on about it on this show, but that, that the England setup is kind of delusional about how good some of these players are. And, and I think parts of the media and the fan base are similarly delusional and it it comes partly from like the the flashes that you see from them because they do occasionally turn out something extraordinary but also because of of how good they are in white ball cricket and so you know Johnny Bairstow is an absolutely world-class batsman in white ball cricket um and so you sort of think well as a cricketer he's clearly one of the best in England but he's really not you know his test record particularly the last few years is abysmal. And I think you can throw Joss Butler into that bracket as well. He's not scored and he runs for a long time. And it, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want to read the tweet because I don't want to single this guy out, but, but a thing that I sent you that 
that annoyed me. And I, I said, I don't want to sing them out because it, it's just kind of like symptomatic or emblematic of a, of a, of a widespread th- narrative, but was saying that, you know, the fact that Butler can score a hundred in the T20 World Cup uh, and then a few weeks later, you know, do that kind of brigadier block. What did he face? 200 balls on the fifth day of the test shows that he's a once in a generation cricketer. And that's just, to me, <laughs> somewhat ludicrous. I mean, it's, yeah. It, and this is, I think, why England have kind of got away with it for years and why we we are in the same situation that we were four years ago with a lot of the same players. Because, you know, Joss Butler in test matches averages 33 with 255 games and that, that is just not a once in a generation talent yeah in white ball cricket yes but and, and in 12 ashes tests he's averaging 20 i mean what are we what are we meant to do with that if that's a once in a generation talent like kevin peterson is a generational or was a generational talent butler is clearly yeah is, is clearly a extraordinary talent but but yeah i like it's just yeah in test cricket yeah, exactly. Just not, yeah, not at all. Um, well, he, what he did here was almost bat a whole day. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, that's the kind of thing that Paul Collingwood did on the reg for England. And yeah, it was, you know, and got a lot of plaudits for doing it. But um, Butler didn't quite pull it off. And that was at the end of, well, and he should have been out for Nor. And that was at the end of... Uh, of a, a truly atrocious test match that he'd had before that. So I suppose really the, the benchmark or, or the sort of the, the team that England should be looking at or the, the, the setup that England should be looking at and, and thinking like, you know, how do we copy this effectively now is New Zealand, isn't it? Um, mm. Like in terms of like they are, it's an astonishing, yeah, astonishingly consistent output that they're producing across all formats and have done now for a few years with obviously what's a considerably smaller talent pool, but one that's used maybe a bit more smartly and, and uh, as a bit more acknowledgement that, that the players that are going to get you to the World T20 final aren't the ones that are going to win you test matches necessarily. I mean, obviously Kane Williamson is, is, is an ever-present and there are a couple of others that, that, that play across formats, but, but there's, there's a lot that don't. And yeah, I, I think I, I tend to agree with you that, that Butler's talent... Uh, in white ball cricket is, is has possibly and there are a few of them that have, yeah that have blinded the selectors somewhat yeah i mean there'll be some people listening to this thinking that we're overreacting um or and well and firstly that you know that it's not all over yet or that we're being very uh doom and gloom but it's just it's the fact for me it's just the fact that although i was i was more optimistic coming in um or i was optimistic that it wouldn't be as bad as 4 years ago this really was predictable that this is what would happen. And there are obviously, there's, there's mitigate, well, there's, there's good excuses with, you know, pandemic and lack of preparation and stuff. But nonetheless, apparently four years or certainly two years of planning and, and for it to have gone this badly wrong and for them to be not even competing at all is just very, very frustrating. I mean, and Australia, I mean, they, Australia haven't been exceptional uh but they've been more than good enough obviously um and i and you've got to give them a lot of credit uh to have won so comprehensively in adelaide without their two best bowlers is a fantastic achievement and obviously jai richardson came in and, and in particular he looked the part and took five wickets in the second innings um 
the batting, I mean, Labashain, well, Labashain now number one batsman in the world after this game. Uh, he and Smith aren't pretty, are they? But they are mightily effective. It wasn't necessarily the most exciting, <laughs> most exciting passages of play when uh, one or other or both were at the crease, but they're certainly getting the job done. Yeah, I think I, that's it. We, we've absolutely ribbed England so far. Um, so I suppose you take some of the performances a pinch of salt, maybe to a certain extent, but Australia do deserve quite a lot of credit, don't they? Uh, as you say, um, well, I don't know if you did say. Um, <laughs> obviously, the build-up to this, they lost Cummins, I'll say his word. Um, you know, the captain... Uh, obviously the change of captaincy right before the series and they're still they're still absolutely walloping us yeah for those two though I agree I mean Labashain's gone to the top of the the rankings hasn't he um, um, he's averaging 75 for the calendar year case okay, he's only batted eight times but um, but that is uh, very impressive they've got more than enough at the moment for England that's for sure yeah I mean I think I think there are vulnerabilities like a um well, so like Marcus Harris is having as bad a series as Rory Burns, isn't he? But he's, you know, he's, you know, it's, it's very difficult. You get away with it when your team's winning. Um, and I'm still not, even though he's scored some runs, I'm still not convinced that Warner is the player that he was. And I think there's uh, a vulnerability about their middle order as well, from certainly from six downwards. So um, I think there are vulnerabilities there, but as I say, they're, they're largely irrelevant because England not, just aren't equipped to exploit them. And before the series, people were talking about, you know, people were pointing to the fact that, well, Australia have problems and they're, you know, pointing to the fact that India won in Australia this time last year. But, you know, newsflash for everyone, India are a much, much better team than England. <laughs> and that's basically been proven here. And Australia just, just haven't really been troubled, have they? So I think, as you say, Tone, I think we have to, concede that the series is is over already and obviously that's disappointing for England fans but it must also be disappointing I would think for everybody Australian fans too but certainly for neutrals I think this must have been a pretty boring series for neutrals so far Australia have been quite attritional haven't they we mentioned the way that Labuschagne and Smith bat there's an awful lot you know and, and it hasn't been like it was in 2013 with Mitchell Johnson you know bowling uh, so explosively, or you know, there there have been one-sided contests that have still been exciting, but this one, not so much so far. And there's an awful lot of cricket still to be played. Could be quite a slog to get through. Are you going to stay up on Boxing Day? Do you think to stay up Christmas night? Uh, yes, I probably will, just because it is. I don't know. I think you've, there's always however outrageously insane it might sound there is always that glimmer of hope isn't there so <laughs> yeah I probably will but I, I don't intend to stay up too late you know I fully expect to be in bed by by one are we going to be motivated enough to do Ashes daily uh, I think we need to yeah I think we need to to, to, to follow through <laughs> the way you said that was like you kind of glanced over at your boss like <laughs> a corporate was uh, standing by the bathroom door. Corporate will come down on us hard, I think, if we don't, uh, we don't do it. I think we need to. Yeah. Yeah. Head office has you know, invested a lot of money and time into this project. So, yeah. Well, we are the only Ashes Daily in the world as well. So, yeah, exactly. We've got to keep, keep, the, uh, keep our end up. Uh, you might be able to hear, Tone, that I'm getting quite tired now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Uh, 
sort of pick myself up for for this but we're going to get some bit, rest getting a bit crap again so that's uh that is going to be it for the world cricket show this time apart from to say tone merry christmas i suppose technically this is our christmas special isn't it because it's what three days till christmas yeah true yeah i mean it's felt festive Festive. It sort of has. Should we yeah. just do like a quick medley of Christmas carols or something, and then <laughs> we can call it a day? Maybe. Have you done all your shopping? Yeah. I don't know what with like what with COVID and the ashes. It's just really not doesn't really feel festive does at the moment. So. <laughs> this is you to Emily when you don't have a present for her. <laughs> yeah, Christmas day. Look, yeah, exactly. Look, if we were if we were one all going into the Boxing Day test, I'd I'd have gone mad on her. But... <laughs> I really feel like it now. Listen, then, what with COVID and the ashes, I just thought it's not really, <laughs> not really the right kind of mood. Yeah, jewel, exactly. Jewelry this year. Uh, it is. All, uh, my my plans have been cancelled. So not only am I poorly and in bed, but I'm, I'm we're supposed to be in England uh, with my family, but we cancelled our trip. You know, because of uh, I don't know if you've heard about Omicron tone, but. Um, Anyway, that that kind of kiboshed our plans. Um, so yeah, it's just it's all a bit depressing, isn't it? It's all a bit depressing <laughs> at the moment. Hope everyone out there listening to this is is doing okay. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll try and spread some more festive cheer with uh, some Ashes Dailies starting on Boxing Day. Uh, but in the meantime, if you enjoy the podcast, then yeah, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it. Have a very Merry Christmas, Tone. And Likewise. I'll talk to you on Boxing Day. Yeah, I'll say it. the plus side of your your, your plans being cancelled is it will be easier to do Ashes Daily. So that's um, true. You know, silver linings. Every cloud. Um, yeah, well, Merry Christmas, one and all. Um, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. And to all a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to go to sleep. Yeah, All right. Uh, get us to sleep. Right. Cheerio. See you later, Dane. Bye for now. <laughs>